Good day, everyone, and welcome to the FedEx Corporation fourth quarter fiscal year 2022 earnings conference call. Today's call is being recorded. At this time, I'd like to turn the call over to Mickey Foster, Vice President of Investor Relations for FedEx Corporation. Please go ahead. Good afternoon, and welcome to FedEx Corporation's fourth quarter earnings conference call. The fourth quarter earnings release and stat book are on our website at fedex.com. This call is being streamed from our website where the replay will be available for about one year. Joining us on the call today are members of the media. During our question and answer session, callers will be limited to one question in order to allow us to accommodate all those who would like to participate. I want to remind all listeners that FedEx Corporation desires to take advantage of the safe harbor provisions of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act. Certain statements in this conference call, such as projections regarding future performance, may be considered forward-looking statements within the meaning of the Act. Such forward-looking statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, and other factors which could cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed or implied by such forward-looking statements. For additional information on these factors, please refer to our press releases and filings with the SEC. Please refer to the investor relations portion of our website at fedex.com for a reconciliation of the non-GAAP financial measures discussed on this call to the most directly comparable GAAP measures. Joining us on the call today, Raj Shudmamedian, President and CEO, Mike Lenz, Executive Vice President and CFO, and Bree Carreri, Executive Vice President and Chief Customer Officer. And now Raj will share his views on the quarter. Thank you, Mickey, and good afternoon, everyone. I'd like to start by thanking Team FedEx for continuing to move the world forward amid unanticipated challenges. This was most recently displayed during Operation Fly Formula, where in response to the critical shortage rippling across the United States, we have moved hundreds of thousands of pounds of baby formula from Europe to the U.S. And this weekend, our team will move 52 tons of medical relief to Poland for Ukrainian refugees in coordination with Direct Relief International. Now, turning to our financials, I'm proud to share that in the face of an increasingly challenging global backdrop, we finished fiscal 22 with our highest ever revenue of $93.5 billion and adjusted operating income of $6.9 billion, both up 11% year over year. This is a testament to our value proposition and continued execution against our long-term strategy. As I shared on the last call, we have worked through many network inefficiencies caused by labor shortages. Although wage rates remain higher than this time last year, they are stabilizing. Still, COVID-related conditions slowed global recovery and pressured second-half performance. While Q4 volumes were down year-over-year at all our transportation segments compared to the extraordinary fiscal year 21, we successfully implemented strategic actions that drove double-digit yield improvement across the board, with express composite yield per package up 20%, ground up 11%, and freight yield per shipment up 28%. We remain focused on revenue quality as one of the key levers to help offset the ongoing macroeconomic pressures and driving improved margins going forward. Turning to Express, even in the face of higher operating expenses related to inflationary pressures, we delivered improved quarterly operating income and revenue. Thoughtful execution of our new revenue management actions has allowed us to overcome headwinds from COVID lockdowns in Asia and geopolitical uncertainty in Europe. At FedEx Ground, we experienced modest revenue growth driven by higher yields as a result of pricing actions and improved volume mix. Volumes declined year over year due to our efforts to constrain economy volume as well as slower customer demand. We will continue to leverage opportunities to maximize utilization of existing facilities through operational adjustments including multiple preload and relay operations. Ground operating expenses continue to be pressured by higher purchase transportation and wage rates, although we see these pressures stabilizing. 
we continue to proactively address labor availability head-on through multiple levers as we increase the frontline retention and refine the recently launched package handler scheduling tool we will not only ensure we have the right level of staffing for every sort based on volume, we'll ensure a workforce that is safe, efficient, and highly engaged to stay and grow with the company. Additionally, we are implementing several technology-based initiatives that are driving increased productivity in our line hall and dock operations, as well as continuing our efforts to optimize the last mile. We're seeing early benefit from these efforts with productivity of ground dock operations improving 6% in Q4 compared to Q3. FedEx Freight once again delivered outstanding results with fourth quarter operating margin of almost 22%, driven by a continued focus on revenue quality. A job well done to Lance Small on his first full fiscal year as Freight CEO and to our, and our freight and commercial teams for their solid execution. As we look ahead to fiscal year 23, we expect the macroeconomic risks, both in the U.S. and globally, to continue to put stress on supply chains and trade. Bree will cover this in more detail shortly. Let me, though, reaffirm confidence in our key strategies. As CEO, my focus is maximizing total shareholder return driven by improved revenue quality, higher margins, and a balanced capital allocation strategy, which Mike will provide more color on shortly. Importantly, our foundational long-term investments have set the stage for another strong year driven by focus on lowering our cost to serve. A great example of where we are going to lower our cost to serve is in Europe. The integrated network and consolidation of many flights into our Charles de Gaulle hub allows us to improve operational efficiency and enhances our network. For instance, since April, the number of European airports we service from CDG increased by 71%, while the number of flights intra-Europe was reduced by 13%. We're confident that actions like this will drive bottom-line improvement in fiscal year 23. As we move forward, I'm honored to lead our global team who enable FedEx to deliver what's next. And speaking of what's next, we're looking forward to hosting our investors in Memphis in a few days. Our goal for this two-day event is for attendees to leave with a deep understanding of our strategies, including financial targets and priorities, and how we plan to execute. Now, before I turn it over to Bree, I'd like to say a few words about FedEx Express President and CEO Don Calderon, whose 40-year career with FedEx has been nothing but short of exceptional. As one of the pioneers of our international business, he helped lay a foundation for the significant growth in that sector of the FedEx portfolio. Since assuming his current role in 2019, he's launched new capabilities for our customers and led our global FedEx Express team through some of the most challenging times, including the COVID pandemic. As announced in March, Don will move into CEO executive advisor role in September of this year in support of Richard Smith's transition to the CEO of FedEx Express and will retire from FedEx in December. Don, we appreciate your service and countless contributions to this company. We wish you nothing but the best in your well-deserved next chapter. And now let me turn it over to Bree, who last week was named Chief Customer Officer in a move that aligned several teams under her leadership to give us even greater focus on our commercial strategy and our end-to-end -end customer experience. So, Bree. Thank you, Raj. It's an honor and a privilege to take on this responsibility to deliver for our customers and drive quality growth for our shareholders. I'd like to reflect on fiscal year 22 then drill down to fourth quarter 22 revenues. Finally, I will discuss the outlook for fiscal year 2023. Fiscal year 2022 was another year of change for FedEx. The operating environment was quite challenging, requiring flexibility and creativity on the part of our management, staff, and frontline team members to ensure we deliver for our customers. I am proud of how our team rose to this challenge. 
We executed against our commercial strategy and remained intently focused on revenue quality across the business. In the fourth quarter, our consolidated revenue increased 8% year over year. Revenue management actions drove our growth, which was partially offset by lower shipment demand. FedEx Ground and FedEx Express generated year-over-year revenue growth of 4 and 6% respectively, despite lower volume levels. At FedEx Ground, yield management actions affecting our FedEx Ground economy service was the primary factor behind volume decline, with FedEx Ground economy volume down 36%. In contrast, our commercial and our home delivery volumes declined 1% due to macroeconomic conditions. At FedEx Express, COVID lockdowns, Geopolitical uncertainty and slower economic growth contributed to package volume declines of 11%. In some areas, we also selectively reduced volume to ensure we could deliver the service that is expected of FedEx. FedEx Freight had a banner revenue quality quarter, growing yield at 28%. FedEx Freight's market-leading value proposition combined with the disciplined execution of our sales team drove these exceptional results. The FedEx Freight team continues to do a phenomenal job at managing revenue quality. Now, let me take a moment to discuss 2023. We anticipate consumers will keep spending, and their spending will continue tilting towards services from goods. We expect more consumers to return to stores. With this backdrop, we do expect pressure on B2C volumes. Through May, industrial activity has been solid. But today's June flash of PMI was a sharp decline. Further, after a strong build late last year and early this year, inventory restocking is slowing. This will dampen freight demand. Our international businesses continue to navigate a dynamic environment. Global trade growth has slowed from disruptions related to lockdowns in China and the conflict in Ukraine, limiting the flow of goods and reducing international export volume. We do anticipate supply chain disruptions throughout the fiscal year. We continue to expect passenger airlines to fully recover to pre-COVID levels and that that recovery will take some time. Belly capacity on passenger airlines is expected to remain constrained in fiscal year 2023, resulting in a pricing environment still favorable to FedEx, if a little less than before. The Europe to Asia lane is estimated to recover in Q1 calendar year 24, and belly capacity on Trans-Pacific Airlines is estimated to recover in Q3 calendar year 24. Commercial capacity between Europe and Asia is not expected to recover until Q1 of calendar year 2025. Our fiscal 23 forecast assumes a normalized economic environment. The factors I discussed earlier have been incorporated into our volume forecast. Our volume forecast has low single-digit volume growth. We've also prepared plans to manage through a slowing economic environment if required. We will take cost and revenue actions to mitigate impact of further economic softening, incorporating the lessons learned over the last two extraordinary years. In fiscal 23, we will execute a very targeted growth strategy. We will prioritize revenue quality and our intent on pursuing business that provides attractive yields on our assets. We expect the pricing environment will remain rational here in the United States and also around the world. We believe that the systemic changes, especially e-commerce peak surcharges, are durable changes for the industry. We are closely monitoring both inflation and fuel prices. And as a reminder, we adjust our fuel surcharge weekly in response to market rates. I am confident we have the tools to get to continue getting inflation plus pricing. Strong revenue quality is possible because we will target customers who value FedEx's unique capabilities. Let me talk about four of our favorite capabilities. First, we are the only provider to bundle our parcel and LTL portfolio. Second, FedEx Ground has two very significant advantages over our primary competitor. FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground, and FedEx Ground delivers on Sunday, while UPS does not. Third, we continue to evolve our digital portfolio. Express and Ground are the first nationwide carriers to announce we will provide a picture proof of delivery for every U.S. residential delivery that doesn't require a signature. And fourth, we have a robust intercontinental offering for both B2B and B2B segments. FedEx provides 
fabulous solutions for the world's manufacturing, healthcare, high-tech, and e-commerce customers. In closing, this has been an extraordinary year for FedEx. We generated strong growth, executed on our revenue quality strategy, and overcame industry-wide challenges. Our plan for fiscal 23 incorporated a dynamic environment, and we have the right strategies and the right team in place to deliver profitable growth and margin improvement. And with that, I'll turn it over to Mike for his remarks. Thank you, Bree, and good afternoon, everyone. We had a strong fourth quarter with adjusted earnings per share improving 37% year-over-year, revenue increasing 8%, and consolidated adjusted operating margin expanding 50 basis points to 9.2%. These results reflect the outcome of the revenue management emphasis Bree described as we aggressively adjust to mitigate continued inflationary cost pressures. Notable fourth quarter year-over-year expense items included higher self-insurance costs, primarily at ground, as well as a roughly $130 million impact from higher rates for both wages and purchased transportation. Offsetting these headwinds were favorable year-over-year comparisons for variable compensation of approximately $300 million and last year's $100 million contribution to Yale University to support our carbon neutrality goals. With that overview of consolidated results, I'll turn to the highlights for each of our transportation segments. Brown reported a 4% increase in revenue with operating income down approximately $260 million, resulting in an operating margin of 10%. Self-insurance expense increased approximately $200 million, reflecting a higher loss experience, as well as an adjustment to the reserve for the projected cost of claims. We have multiple initiatives underway to mitigate the cost of risk, including new vehicle safety technology and driver certification standards in our service provider agreements. The strong 11% yield improvement at ground was not enough to offset that headwind, along with higher cost of wages and purchase transportation. Looking forward to continued revenue quality emphasis in conjunction with specific productivity and workforce initiatives will drive improved profitability. Stabilization of the labor market will also support further traction in these areas. At Express, adjusted operating income increased by nearly 10% year-over-year, with operating margin improving by 20 basis points to 8.2%. This improvement was driven by higher yields, including the favorable net impact of fuel, and lower variable compensation, which more than offset volume declines. In addition, Crew costs per flight hour have been further elevated as operating the network has had to accommodate not only COVID protocols, but also to the routing changes to avoid layovers in locations with stricter COVID regulations, as well as conflict airspace. Freight had an incredible finish to the year, with revenue for the fourth quarter increasing 23% and operating profit growing 67%. These outstanding results are a testimony to Freight's continued focus on revenue quality and profitable share growth as we build on our strengths as a leader in the LTL market. Turning to FY23, we are projecting continued momentum with a range of 9 to 19% adjusted earnings per share improvement. We expect margin expansion at all of our transportation segments on an adjusted basis as we execute on key priorities, including enhanced revenue quality beyond inflation, technology-driven operational efficiency improvements, and increasing utilization of our assets. As we begin fiscal 2023, we are seeing the lower customer demand trends we experienced in the fourth quarter continue into June and expect first quarter volumes will continue to be pressured. In addition, Express continues to experience flight constraints due to crew COVID protocols as has been, been highlighted industry-wide. We do expect both Express air network efficiency and year-over-year volume comparisons across all of our transportation segments to strengthen as we go through the fiscal year. In addition, our outlook includes an approximately $450 million non-cash pension headwind due to lower asset returns realized in fiscal 2022. This is all below-the-line expense that will be recognized evenly over the year. Our retirement plan's operating expense will be relatively flat as lower pension expense will be offset by higher 401k expense. And as a reminder, our primary U.S. pension plans were closed to new entrants beginning in 2020, 
and we introduced a new 401k plan with a higher company match in January of 2022. Our projection for the full year effective tax rate is approximately 24% prior to the mark-to-market retirement plan adjustments and costs related to business optimization initiatives. During the capital allocation, our fiscal 2022 adjusted free cash flow of $3.6 billion supported the repurchase of approximately $2.2 billion of our stock and $800 million of dividend payments. In addition, we funded $500 million in voluntary pension contributions and ended the year with a solid $6.9 billion in cash. As we look to fiscal 2023, we remain focused on driving total shareholder return and thoughtfully allocating capital. First, we will continue to invest in attractive ROIC initiatives. Fiscal 2023 capital expenditures are projected to be roughly the same as the $6.8 billion invested during fiscal 22, which came in lower than our initial $7.2 billion estimate as supply chain considerations extended timeline. Facility investment at ground will decline, as will aircraft expenditures at Express. Offsetting that is increased investment in vehicle replacement including rollout of our vehicle electrification initiative, as well as additional automation projects. We project fiscal 2023 CapEx as a percent of revenue to be under 7% compared to 7.2% for fiscal 2022. Next, we expect to repurchase an additional $1.5 billion of stock in the first half of fiscal 2023 and of course, as we announced last week, we are raising our dividend by over 50%, which increases our adjusted payout ratio to over 20%. These significant shareholder return advances reflect confidence in our continued execution and ability to adapt to the evolving market. And lastly, I'd add we are projecting $800 million of voluntary pension contributions to the U.S. plan. So we enter fiscal 2023 with a strong foundation for driving improved profitability and returns. We are mindful of the uncertainty across many fronts, including the pace of global economic activity, inflation, energy prices, additional pandemic developments, and further geopolitical risks. We're actively adjusting to these changing circumstances. In closing, we are focused on delivering shareholder value by driving profitable revenue growth, expanding margins, lowering our capital intensity, and improving returns to shareholders. And we look forward to sharing additional insights about our plans for this year and beyond at our investor meeting next week here in Memphis. Now, we'll be happy to address your questions. Thank you. If you would like to signal with questions, please press star 1 on your touchtone telephone. If you're joining us today using a speakerphone, please make sure your mute function is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. Again, that is star one if you would like to signal with questions. Star one. And our first question comes from Brandon Oglinski with Barclays. Hey, uh, good afternoon, everyone. And Raj and Bree, congrats on uh, the new roles, obviously. Uh, look, guys, I know you want to discuss uh, the future next week, and we'll be in Memphis for sure. But, Raj, could you just give us, you know, what are your priorities for FedEx? Obviously, this is a pretty big change after 51 years under, you know, prior leadership and, and very big shoes to fill out for Mr. Smith. Uh, and one thing that keeps coming up on this call is revenue quality. So could you just give us a little bit more insight uh, into that perceived change, at least that I'm picking up on? And thank you, Brandon. Uh I will start here and then have Bree talk a little bit more about revenue quality in a minute. But uh, uh, firstly, you're 100% right. Uh, you know, uh, we're building on a very strong foundation uh, and, uh, you know, very fortunate to have had the opportunity to work so closely with Fred over the years. And we have a strong foundation to build from. Uh, my strategy is pretty straightforward. Uh, as you, the number one element we talked about is revenue quality, and again, we will comment more about that. The second part of the strategy is going to be to improve operating margins in each each of our operating companies. Uh, and we'll be extremely disciplined, disciplined on our capital allocation and drive uh, total shareholder return. So we'll look forward to sharing more with you next week. But let me turn it over to Brief to talk about revenue quality. Sure. Thanks, Raj. I think, uh, yeah, we mentioned revenue quality a couple of times. We're operating in a, a very large market, and it's not a homogenous market. 
We have spent a, a, a lot of investment getting to the place we are today, and we are incredibly proud of that value proposition. And so we're very focused on customers who value that. Um, and so we're being selective in this market. We're targeting B2B. We're targeting small business. Um, and we're really targeting customers that value the speed and the reliability we provide. And our next question will come from Jack Atkins with Stevens. Okay, great. Thank you for taking my question. I, I guess, Bree, for you, you, know, you noted in your comments that you expected continued above inflationary pricing. Um, you know, I guess when we look at ground in particular, uh, it doesn't feel like we've been able to see that over the last year at least uh, with margins down 250 basis points or so. Where do you think the disconnect is uh, there? And I guess as you look forward, perhaps is it a function of maybe um, the benefits from the pricing initiatives are going to be coming in 23 and we're seeing some uh, lessening of some of these inflationary pressures? Maybe if you could just kind of help us walk through that, that would be helpful. Thank you. Sure. Happy to, Jack. So I think from a revenue quality perspective, if you look at the fourth quarter, we're actually quite pleased with the revenue quality that we were able to secure at FedEx Ground. Um, I think two other things that it's important to know, within the mix of FedEx Ground, we're also very pleased that we got the right mix. Um, B2B is actually up, and small business mix is up in the fourth quarter. So we're very pleased with that. I will say what is pressuring, and, you know, honestly, what will pressure us as we move forward is – Weights will come down, you know, depending on the economy. So that is putting some pressure. And then, of course, zone also is impacting that. But within each cell at FedEx Ground, we're quite confident that we are getting more for each package that we move. We're very pleased with the progress. And, Jack, this is, uh, this is Mike. Uh, you know, I want to make sure we emphasize, too, it's not singularly uh, driven by revenue quality in terms of how we drive ground margins uh, further going forward. Uh, you know, we won't repeat the labor challenges of, of last year, obviously, but, uh, you know, in terms of the, the active initiatives we have underway, we'll get further maturation of the, the productivity initiatives that we started last year. We've got additional ones coming on later this year. And uh, I alluded to we've got multiple efforts uh, to mitigate the liability costs, and we wouldn't expect the rate of increase that we have experienced the last uh, couple years on that front. And our next question comes from Chris Weatherby with City. Hey, great. Thanks. Good afternoon. Um, wanted to ask about the, the guidance, uh, the EPS guidance. I guess you know the, it, it sounds like there are some headwinds or at least normalizations in your economic forecast as you think forward, yet from an earnings perspective, obviously it's a wide range, but the upper end of that range is, is a nice acceleration in terms of earnings growth from what we've seen. Now, I know there are some headwinds that you have been facing in fiscal 22 that presumably turn to tailwinds or at least sort of get mitigated as we go forward, but I kind of wanted to square the, the sort of body language around the economy being a little bit softer but with the optimism about earnings power accelerating from where we are. So can you just help us a little bit with that? Well, Chris, uh, this is Mike. I'll, I'll give a little context around us by thinking around the range, and then, uh, you know, Bree can give further uh, back, backdrop for the uh, economic perspective. But, yeah, we certainly are mindful of the uh, conditions and uncertainty in the environment ahead. It's a wider range than we put out there last year, exactly for that consideration. Uh, at the same time, though, we're, we're confident that it's a, it's a balanced and achievable outcome that we can navigate amidst uh, the, the uncertainty that's out there. So uh, we felt that the, it was uh, appropriate and, and where we need to get to. I think the only other thing that I will add is we kind of look at our Number one, from a volume forecast perspective, we were conservative in the range in the volume itself. And then as we go through the year, the comps in the back half, especially here from a domestic perspective, they're actually um, a little bit easier for us. So we've taken both kind of the, the economy into consideration, the size of the market, and obviously the year over year. But right now we feel pretty good about the range we have. And our next question comes from Amit Nirocha. Hey, thanks, operator. Um, hi, everyone. Raj, um, congrats on the appointment. Wish you uh, really all the success in the world. Um, I guess you guys are preparing to provide um, some mid- to long-term 
nonprofit targets next week, and it's been a while, so I think that'll be that'll be quite welcome. But you know, the question really is: we've seen a lot of uncertainty over the last several quarters. It's an incredibly fast-moving market. Inflation's really high, and that's actually caused you guys to miss even the nearest of profitability targets. And so the question is: as you guys prepare to come out with these multi-year targets, most likely for each of the businesses, um, where does the confidence come from um, that you're going to be able to hit those targets? And 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 is there is there an element of cost or idiosyncratic opportunity related to efficiency where gives you guys and should give us confidence in being able to hit that given the experience of last year. And Mike, you know, just related to that, if if the company is asking investors to um, gain confidence in multi-year targets, I think it would be helpful to have some goalposts here and now around 2023 around what underpins the 15% EPS growth in 2023 with respect to, to ground margins and express margins. Hopefully, I don't know if you guys are willing to engage with that question, but I think it would be helpful to set that up, you know, ahead of giving these multi-year targets. Thank you. Ahmed, thank you very much, and I also appreciate your question. Uh, we have, uh, you know, the last year has been quite challenging from many respects as we as we built out our networks and expanded our e-commerce portfolio, and then we had the, the, the labor challenges that were quite unexpected. They, were, they took $1.4 billion um, uh, in FY22 uh, because of unexpected labor uh, challenges, One, some due to network inefficiencies and some just rates. Um, so, you know, if you look ahead, uh, the foundation that we have built, the e-commerce portfolio that we have, and, and the, we are in the center of an ecosystem for e-commerce on se- for several customers, um, that we are essentially critical infrastructure for e-commerce. And uh, we are doing a lot of things to make sure that we improve our productivity uh, through technology initiatives that will launch uh, in the fiscal year 23. Uh, we will continue to focus on, um, as we, we talked about revenue quality before, I think the market's there for that. And then, um, and then, you know, uh, um, you know, improve our performance in in Europe. And so, I think there are several things that we can do to execute and be confident in, in our, our our the ranges we gave you, Mike. Yeah. I mean, well, uh, first, you know, certainly, you know, look, I, I highlighted uh, you know three specific elements for ground cost improvements and efficiencies that we will you know be elaborating on further details. Uh, next week, and you know, as I said, we expect margin improvement at all of our transportation segments, and the most significant one will be at ground relative to FY22, looking at FY23. So I uh, appreciate the, the feedback there, and absolutely understand that we need to give specifics and what are the, the actions that uh, that will get us there. Um, I will uh, take one exception there about. Uh, target in this comment you made, uh, you know, our, our annual EPS for fiscal 22 fell within the range of guidance that we gave you a year ago. So while I appreciate there may have been different twists and turns along the way in terms of how we got there, it was indeed within what was a pretty narrow range, uh, given all things considered. Our next question will come from Tom Wadowitz with EPS. Uh, yeah, great. Uh, uh, appreciate it. And, uh, you know, uh, also, uh, I know others have said this, but really looking forward to the uh, further detail next week and, uh, you know, the, the kind of, uh, I don't know, new direction or new elements of the strategy. So uh, uh, looking forward to that. Um, when you look at the fiscal 23, because that's what we're focused on today, can you give us a sense of, you know, just magnitude of some of these big pieces? Is it you know, two-thirds of it is revenue quality that's giving you the growth, and cost is smaller, and, you know, cost can grow over time? Or is this something that, you know, cost is a pretty big component uh, of your, you know, your margin improvement, your earnings growth? Just trying to get a sense of the kind of relative frame of that. Um, and I guess I would also kind of look back to the analyst meeting 10 years ago where you had the Express Improvement Program, 
and you had a lot of improvement, but it took a couple of years to see that. So I guess just trying to, trying to figure out, you know, how quickly we see some of the costs and productivity measures come through and how big of a component that is versus price and revenue quality in fiscal 23. Okay, Tom, there's a, a lot packed into that. Um, again, much, much of which in terms of flushing out details in that is something that uh, we can elaborate on and spend a whole lot more time on uh, next week. But as, as Bree mentioned, you know, the volume growth uh, in the projection here for 23 is low single digit. So while there is continued yield opportunity because of the inflationary environment and because of the, the capabilities and value that our networks provide, we do have meaningful, significant cost and efficiency initiatives underway. Uh, I talked about how we're lowering our, uh, our, our facility investment at ground. The, the emphasis now is on utilizing the capacity that we have, sweating the assets, and driving further efficiencies and productivity there. You know, Raj mentioned about how we schedule our people in that to get it optimally targeted and resourced per source in that. So, you know, there's no sort of uh, single magic bullet to point to there, but it's a, it's a number of concrete, real initiatives across the enterprise that will, uh, will allow us to achieve the results that we need to get to. And our next question will come from John Chappelle with Evercore ISI. Thank you. Good afternoon. Um, Bree, there's been a high-profile um, entrance in the market, so to speak, that who's clearly overhired, added a lot of capacity, and others talk of trimming a significant amount of capacity in the next 12 months or so. As you think about uh, the network in general, what's FedEx's opportunity and its risk uh, from maybe, you know, some laying off some people where you've had some labor issues in the past uh, and also spare capacity and what that may do to pricing in the business over the next 12 months. Thanks, John. A very fair question. Um, I, I think a couple of things. Number one, um, we've absolutely planned conservatively so that we really can focus on those customers that value us. We have, over the last couple of years, done, a, I think, a tremendous job negotiating um, mid to long-term contracts that I think puts us in a really good place to stabilize the base um, of our volume. So to Mike's point, if things do soften from an economy perspective, I think we're in a really good position, and we're going to focus on disciplined revenue quality, disciplined targeted growth, um, and that will be kind of be our, our primary focus versus kind of um, filling the network um, from a, an alternative perspective. So I feel pretty good about we, where we are, despite some of the competitive activity and some of the other headlines we're all reading. And our next question will come from Allison Palmick with Wells Fargo. Hi, good evening. Um, just, so first on the labor inefficiency, is there a way to quantify what that headwind was to ground? I know that you, you quantified the, the absolute wage increase. And then in line with that, you know, a lot of productivity initiatives out there you know, based on your volume outlook, is there a way to think or quantify what those eventual productivity initiatives will contribute to margin expansion in 23, particularly in ground? Just any color there? Thanks. Uh, okay, so Allison, yeah, this is my – the ground network inefficiency aspect of the uh, labor availability for FY22, we pegged that at roughly $300 million. Uh, so that was – Certainly, most prevalent in the uh, in the in the first half of the year. So uh, I think that that addresses that. Um, sorry, second part of your question. In the context of your your low single digit volume increase, you know, a lot of productivity initiatives. I think you talked about the technology and the software related to the doc. You know, some some improvement on that side. Is there a way to better understand what that contribution to that margin expansion would be from some of those initiatives as we look to 23 here? Yeah, so, you know, LaRage highlighted the, uh, you know, just the first leg of that, roughly 6% improvement just quarter to quarter. So, uh, you know, that gives you a flavor of the opportunity ahead there. Uh, we certainly, you know, I talk about the, the liability and the cost of, of risk. Uh, you know, that was a significant impact to the margin and, and bending that going forward, that's, a, that's going to definitely 
uh, you know, provide opportunity there. The question earlier about uh, you know, the labor market easing, you know, when we are hiring uh, fewer new people, that is, a, that is supportive, too, of, uh, of a more efficient and a more safe operation, too, than people that are more experienced. So, uh, again, all, this, all these elements come to play, and uh, uh, we have a lot of good plans behind it that uh, the team will be happy to, to speak further to next week. And moving on to Jordan Alga with Goldman Sachs. Yeah, hi, everyone. Um, so yields were very strong, as you noted, across the board. Is there any way to at least give some big-picture view how to think about the components of the yield improvement, uh, whether it be fuel surcharge, core price, mix, as you've referred to, revenue management, or other surcharges? Just, just some picture how to think about these uh, very large improvements. Thanks. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate the question. So specifically for Q4, fuel was the largest driver of the revenue quality. Um, we also did, a, quite frankly, as I mentioned earlier, I thought the team just did a tremendous job within, you know, our portfolio of managing to hold on to the, you know, really our best and most profitable volume. So when you look at kind of the volume decline, we actually moved the right way. But in the express company domestically, we had lower volumes on deferred than our overnight from a year-over-year -year perspective. When you look internationally, the intercontinental, the team did a really good job of stabilizing volumes there. And actually, we decided to let some international domestic volume go. And then the same thing happened within ground. Um, you'll see the, the huge difference in ground economy decline versus actually we did a really good job of stabilizing the commercial and the HD, of course, our, our highest value proposition product. So. From a, a revenue quality perspective, while fuel was the largest driver, we also did a great job. We continue to get inflation plus renewals, and they're really working on making sure from a mixed perspective we get the revenue for the, the most premium part of our portfolio. So I hope that helps clarify that. And our next question will come from Ken Hexter with Bank of America. Great. Uh, good afternoon, Raj. Free. Congrats on the positions and, and really almost the entire team since the start of the pandemic. So, uh, again, mirror everybody's sentiment about next week uh, and the conference. Um, but it seems like you've had a uh, coming out of that maybe a week ago, a big capital and return focus, um, the involvement of an activist. You've now talked about lowering CapEx. Maybe talk about what's getting removed um, from the CapEx or how your thoughts on, on investment shifts from your prior kind of you know, growth focus and, and how we should think about that. Obviously, you've built a huge cash balance now, and, and maybe talk about your, your thoughts on, on capital allocation and, and distribution uh, going forward. Thanks. First of all, just say uh, the conversations uh, with, the, with, with, the, with an activist here, but, but then I'll let Mike talk about uh, the specific question here. You know, we have been working on Investor Day for nearly a year, and the strategies and the dividend plans are well in place. And uh, so, you know, we had very strong plans, and then, you know, long preceded any conversations that we had with anybody. And then when we, when, you know, when we had the opportunity to sit down with them, there's this clear alignment on where we were headed. So, you know, that's, uh, that was, I wanted to make sure that you understood that, that these plans have been well in place for a long time. And, and a key part of that equation is what Mike's going to talk about now. Well, Ken, you're trying, ask, you're trying to get me to give away everything from next week, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll just uh, I'll say, look, we, uh, it, we've highlighted before that you know, we were at a significant phase of refleeting the Express Air Fleet, and as I said, that is going to come down. We can detail more of that going forward. Uh, we've built up the ground network with the capabilities that are industry-leading, and are going to be able to continue to realize value from that going forward and will further utilize that so we don't need to invest as much in the hard assets. We'll certainly be investing in technology aspects to more fully utilize it and different and creative ways. So it's, it's just a, a natural evolution from building to having these capabilities and now Transitioning, but I'll, you know, I would I would remind you too. Um, here we we repurchased roughly three percent of our shares last year. Um, you know, while the, the dividend increase was uh, 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 
certainly very significant. Uh, we've long been looking and, and striving to increase that. In fact, it was the, the second largest percentage increase. Uh, a few years ago, we actually had a larger percentage increase. So, again, it's just a natural evolution of where we are in terms of uh, capital allocation and driving improved returns. And uh, I look forward to elaborating further next week. And moving on to Brian Ossenbeck with J.P. Morgan. Hi, good evening. Thanks for taking the question. Uh, so I want to come back to the impact of, of fuel. Uh, I agree you mentioned it didn't sound like there's any demand destruction or trade down. Lynx was actually better. So if you can elaborate on that, if, that, if you expect that to continue, given where fuel prices are, where surcharges are. And then, Mike, can you just talk about how much the impact fuel was on a net basis, as mentioned a few times uh, in, the, in the press release, and, and what do you have baked into the guidance next year? Hey, Brian, you're right. Um, in Q4, we didn't see a lot of, of uh, trade down. There's a couple of reasons for that. Obviously, from an intercontinental perspective, you know, capacity is still quite constrained. So, you know, if the economy does continue to soften, do I anticipate that there will be more demand for deferred portfolio? I absolutely do. But we are very focused on customers who have a bundle, who have a deferred need and have a need for our premium portfolio. And so as we, we look at that targeted growth, we will be very thoughtful about not just attracting customers that rely solely on our deferred portfolio. It really is about bundling um, to make sure that we maximize the value of our networks. Hope that helps clarify. Yeah, Brian, look, you know, there's many elements of fuel as a, when you aggregate it, and as Bree has highlighted before, it's a fundamental component of the overall uh, pricing construct. So I'm not going to parse it out in terms of one specific aspect of it, but I would say in terms of the guidance that we have, the fuel price assumption that we have in there is not as high as current fuel prices. So that is uh, uh, you know, maybe a little more help for you on that front. And our next question will come from Bascom Majors with Susquehanna. Yeah, thanks for taking my questions. Um, I understand that you're modeling and guiding to the projections that you have out there. I know a lot of investors would love to see the economy come out with that. Um, but as they discount potentially worse scenarios, can you walk us through how the business in your mind would perform in a moderate to, to deeper recession, you know, um, and, and you know, whether or not there are any nuances we should consider versus the call it 40% EPS drawdowns, We've seen historically in that type of environment. Thank you. Let me begin this uh, and then you know, have Mike uh, Bree jump in and help me here. Uh, firstly, let me just uh, say that uh, yeah, we have economic projections today out there, and we you know some of those uh, projections uh, may come down, and we are prepared for that. And uh, what we are prepared to pull some levers here. We're already moving, making sure that. Uh, significant cost controls and we're operating in a, in a very uh, constrained environment from that perspective but we will adjust networks we'll just take down you know flights as required we'll just you know match the uh, capacity to, 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 to demand and uh, that's the beauty of having a big network is we're able to flex up and down we have demonstrated that historically as well and uh, so yeah there's a range of outcomes that we are ready to deal with we are definitely not assuming a prolonged deep recession that's not what we are assuming here uh, but we have some flex for some slowdown on our economy right yeah basket i mean look just to, to give you some you know uh parameters around you know how we have adapted and adjusted uh you know previously when the trade or macroeconomic backdrop can uh, can change on you. You know, in, in February of 2020, so just before the pandemic, uh, you know, obviously we were seeing significant shifts in trade policy and demand, and as a result, we had we had uh, lowered our frequencies across the Trans-Pacific by 20% from the prior year. Well, then you know, fast forward. A few months later, the pandemic and that, when we had to completely uh, realign and shift uh, instead of, you know, temporarily parking airplanes, we were trying to get more lift back in the air to support commerce, to support the pandemic efforts and that. So 
certainly, one, we've demonstrated historically, and two, I think as, a, as an organization, the ability and the, the speed at which we were able to adjust amongst all of our networks uh, during, the, uh, during the pandemic gives us every confidence and the learning that we can react faster uh, than we may have thought we could in the past, and we are absolutely prepared to do so. Thank you. And our next question will come from Helene Becker with Cowan. Hello. Thanks very much. Hi, everybody. Um, so thanks for the time here. My, my two questions are this. The passenger airlines, as you know, are hiring every pilot they can possibly get. Um, and I probably asked you this question before, but how are you thinking about hiring and retention so that you can, you know, continue to master your network? And the other question is, I think there was an announcement earlier this week that you took 150 um, electric vehicles from Bright Drop. So I think that's out of the 2,500 van order. Um, can you talk about the CapEx related to that and how you're thinking about sustainability efforts? And if you're going to do it next week, that's fine. I can wait. Uh, no, Helene, first off, on the electric vehicles, that is uh, what I spoke earlier about increasing our investment in, uh, uh, in vehicles uh, across the board. The principal element of that is our uh, continuing with the pickup and delivery electrification at Express. So that is absolutely a, a key plank going forward. And, uh, you know, look, we're fully committed to reaching the goals by 2040, and that means we've got to get going now on on that replacement. I'll let the, I'll let Raj address the uh, the pilot consideration. But thanks for the question. Yeah, thank you, Elaine. And yeah, the the pilot situation. Just only two. I'll make two points. Firstly, I want to say thank you to our pilots who have done a tremendous job during this time frame, and a big part of the value that they provided here. And secondly, you know, because of the work environment that we have in FedEx, there's no dearth of, uh, you know, people want to want to get into the FedEx pole. So that we're not seeing that that is an issue for FedEx. Thank you. And our next question will come from Scott Group with Wolf Research. Hey, thanks. Afternoon, uh, Mike. You talked about um, ground seeing the, the biggest margin improvement this year, fiscal 23. I'm wondering, do you, do you think we see that margin inflection in, in Q1, and um, or if it's more later in the year? And then just maybe bigger picture for Raj. And I, I think there's a lot of, you know, hope or expectation for next week that we're going to hear about big, you know, strategic changes um, and focus and, and at, at FedEx and cost reductions and things like that. And understandably, we're not hearing about that today, but do you think, would you agree that, you know, that we should be seeing and, and hearing about big, you know, strategic changes next week? Well, Scott, first, is just, Ms. Mike, just to, you know, clarify, look, for ground to have uh, the largest margin improvement, of all the segments within the guidance we have here, yes, it is the case that we have to see margin improvement, uh, certainly in Q1. And, Scott, yeah, you're definitely not going to get me to give away the story for next week uh, today, but I'll, I'll just uh, tell you this much, that, uh, you know, historically uh, Express focus on time-definite services, ground focus on day-definite services, and it, it is fantastic. And we actually gained a lot of share uh, in the U.S. domestic market over the last 20 years. And, uh, and the, what has changed in the last three or four years is the emergence of uh, e-commerce and residential delivery and the emergence of day-definite networks, uh, day-definite packages and both networks that gives us the opportunity to uh, optimize across. And, uh, you know, we launched operate collaboratively a few years or so ago now, and we'll talk more about that next week. And our next question will come from David Vernon with Bernstein. Hey, good afternoon, guys, and uh, thanks for taking the question. Um, Raj, I, I know you don't want to detail too many of the plans for next year, next year and this is about that, but I, I want to think it, it would be helpful, I think, if you could talk us through kind of the operational situation at 
how how outside of just labor cost pressure, um, you know, was there an, an impact on service levels over the course because of some of those staffing challenges? And where are we on service kind of today from maybe where we would have been? And and I'm expect out of the service levels in ground. These metrics are all opaque and there's a lot of public data on this stuff, but we continue to hear from, from contractors and some, some, some shippers that you know, service levels maybe aren't exactly where they want to be, trucks are taking too much time to get out of buildings, that kind of thing. It'd be great if you could just talk to us a little bit about the and what, where we are in recovery on the productivity side. David, uh, you, you're breaking up a little bit, but let me answer the question that I thought I heard. Uh, I think, um, firstly, uh, uh, yes, a year ago, uh, you know, but this time we saw significant uh, challenges uh, on the labor front uh, that, you know, the labor availability started to go away from us and, uh, and volume was very strong. And that resulted in inefficiency to the network and also uh, service challenges. By peak, we had unwound um, the most of the network inefficiencies and we have heavily focused on improving our service, and this is a conversation that we have every week. And I'm glad to say that week over week, month over month, that we have improved our service to the point now we are, I would say, you know, back to uh, back to a normal situation. We will not relent here. This is going to be a uh, purple promise, and service differentiation is a key for our success going forward. And uh, so we will get the service back to market leading, uh, and uh, that's that's our goal. And our next question will come from Scott Steenberger with Oppenheimer. Uh, thanks very much uh, for the question, and looking forward to seeing everyone next week. Um, I, I would like to focus my question on uh, the smallest but certainly most impressive segment uh, this quarter being freight. Um, Mike and maybe Lance, if he's on, just what do you what do you view for the for the industrial economy here, the where we are in the LTL cycle, and kind of a cadence of, of what we should expect over the course of fiscal 23 for this segment as the, you know, the margin expansion has been nothing short of, of, of impressive, uh, you know, 500 basis points plus quarter over quarter and year over year. So just how should we think about modeling that going going into the year? Oh, thanks. Well, Scott, as I said, we expect margin improvement in all of our transportation segments. Uh, you know, look, the the freight LTL business, you know, has certainly evolved from where it was a number of years ago. Uh, you have much greater discipline in terms of when the environment changes, in terms of uh, pricing discipline. When its demand is strong, there is not uh, the degree of you know, capacity adds, which then uh, is excess capacity when you go through a little more of a cyclical change. So we're very confident in the discipline within both the industry overall as well as the approach we're taking to it in terms of continuing to drive freight margins uh, from an outstanding year upward from there. And moving on to Todd Fowler with KeyBank Capital Markets. Uh, great. Thanks and good evening. So, Bree, I just wanted to make sure I understand the, the volume expectations. I guess, number one, the low single digits is is that across both express and ground. Uh, and then number two, it sounds like the shape is slower in the first half with an easier comps in the back half. want to make sure I got those pieces right. And then if you can help us understand you know, on the ground economy side, you know, how, how much volume is still left to call in that business and, and the thought around calling that versus the ability to move price up on that business? Thanks. Okay, I, I'm going to try to get it all, um, but please feel free to, to ask again if I didn't miss the whole the whole question or question there. Um, okay, so I think the first question was when we're looking at the volume between express and ground and we're saying low single digits, the low single digit is the total volume. Um, you know, from a, a ground market perspective, we still believe in the secular growth um, of e-commerce, you know, we have been looking at the e-commerce as a percentage of retail. It's still, last number I looked at was just above 21% pre-COVID. You were like 
16, 17. So we still believe that ground has the largest growth opportunity, and that is reflected in our in our range for this year. We've got ground going faster than Express. I don't think that would be a surprise to anybody on this call. Um, and then, as I mentioned in the back half, the comps, especially for ground, um, do get better. From an economy perspective, FedEx ground economy, let me be specific there, um, I think you're going to see Q1 volumes look similar to Q4, and then we'll start to build back from there. Like I said, you know, we really do need the economy product. It allows us to sweat our assets, um, and it is a need in the market, especially as things soften. And I want to make sure that, that my opening remarks didn't confuse anybody. We're very clear-eyed about the, the economy in which we're operating. When we said normalized economic environment, I meant we're not planning right now in our current forecast for a recession, to Raj's point. So, I do anticipate that if the market softens, the economy product will have to pay a larger role. But like I said earlier, we really have to get the bundle. And there's the vast majority of customers who have a home delivery need and a ground commercial need do have either a returns line that needs to use the economy product. They have a different SKU that has lower value. So that bundle is really important to us, and we have to make sure that that product's there to defend. Um, and so I think long answer, but uh, you'll see us build back some economy volume later in this year, I believe. And our next question will come from Bruce Chan with Stiefel. Thanks, operator. Uh, afternoon, everyone, and thanks for squeezing me in here. I uh, just want to come back to the revenue quality discussion. Uh, Bruce, you talked about growing share in SMB, and, and I think you know, B2B is part of that. Can you give us a sense of what commercial initiatives you're putting in place to make that uh, you know, share growth happen there? And then maybe also wh where do you stand right now in terms of SMB share? You know, where is that coming from, and, and where do you think it can go? Thank you. Yeah, great question. So from a B2B perspective, um, we've got a lot going on to improve our, our market share. And, again, you know, we're running a massive business, so I'll try to be – specific without going kind of through every country in the world. From a B2B, I guess one of the primary things that we're working on and you're going to hear a lot about next week is our visibility tools. As you're talking about, you know, managing very complex supply chains, and you can imagine the amount of change um, that our customers have gone through over the last two years, visibility is critical. And then honestly, proactive visibility and having the tools to help customers reroute around a weather disruption, reroute around a port congestion. So we are really excited about our FedEx Surround platform that we've talked a lot about. This helps our largest customers and in particular our B2B customers really navigate and manage their supply chain. We are adding new capabilities onto this tool to allow us to intervene for our healthcare customers so that if there is um, a service disruption, we can intervene and re-ice or put something in a cooler. So I would say thematically for B2B, you know, really giving customers the data, the tools, the insights, and then quite frankly having the intervention capabilities that FedEx Express does to do something about it because that is really, you know, most important. From a small business perspective, um, I'm just really enthusiastic. No one can touch our value proposition. Small bundle or small customers need simplicity. And they tell us that over and over again. If you're a small customer, you're running just about every function in your business. And so if you've got a one-stop shop like FedEx with an LTL provider with national coverage, um, it, it works really well. We've got the industry's leading um, loyalty program, and I think the pricing team has done a really good job using earned discount and some of our tools to really reward small businesses for that bundle. Um, we'll talk about a little bit more next week, but like I said, I, I think we're pretty pretty happy with our small business. And as I mentioned in Q4, our small business um, mix did improve. And I guess sorry, one other thing, um, when we're talking small business, not all small business is um, is created equal. There are a large amount of very price sensitive, lightweight small businesses. Um, that is not who we're targeting. Um, so we're being very disciplined and on the the portion of small business that we really are, are interested in, we're very confident in the momentum we've got. And our final question will come from Jeff Kaufman with Vertical Research Partners. Thank you very much for squeezing me in and, and a real exciting time. Congratulations uh, to everyone. Looking forward to that this next week. Um, Mike, I just wanted to get some uh, clarification here. 
two parts here. Number one, uh, the drop in CapEx projection from 7.2 billion to 6.8. I, I think you implied that was more of a timing issue because of, of supply chain uh, challenges. So should we assume that that 400 million comes back as, as we head toward fiscal 24? And then secondly, I, I want to follow up on Helene's uh, break drop question. Uh, we actually had a chance to see the vehicle at Act Expo, and uh, you know, the intel we got was it's not costing much more than a Mercedes uh, Sprinter, but the TCO is, is dramatically lower uh, between the maintenance and the uh, the fuel savings, and you know a, a positive benefit as these trucks come in in, in terms of P&L to the fleet. Uh, could you address both those issues, please? Yeah, sure. No, thanks, Jeff. So uh, yeah, let me clarify on the capex. So. Indeed, it was the case that you know, $400 million lower came in this year because of, you know, for instance, we, you, we simply couldn't get some of the replacement vehicles in the time frames uh, anticipated given supply chain delays with the manufacturers there. Uh, certain facility projects just didn't move at the pace as anticipated. So all that said, uh, the $6.8 million for the current fiscal year considers that that, you know, those will finish out, uh, and plus the other, uh, the other spending I outlined there. So, um, so I guess you could say if it had been 6-2 last year, it would have been, uh, 6-4 this year, but, or 7-2 last year, it would have been lower this year. But, uh, again, at the end of the day, uh, 6.8 last year and 6-8 this year. Uh, and then, you know, look, the, on the bright drop electric vehicles, it is indeed the case that, uh, you know, as, as, and we look at this from a, a a very focused financial and economic perspective, too, in terms of our acquisition of this fleet. It, you know, obviously, it's a, uh, it's a it's a key underpinning of our uh, of our carbon initiatives. But uh, you're right; it does have much lower maintenance costs going forward, a lot fewer moving parts, so on and so forth. So again, the uh, the total cost of ownership over the long run, uh, we definitely believe that can uh, exceed the uh, the combustion vehicle. So again, thanks for the question. And that does conclude the question and answer session. I'll now turn the conference back over to Mickey Foster. Thank you for your participation in FedEx Corporation's fourth quarter earnings conference call. Please feel free to call anyone on the investor relations team if you have additional questions about FedEx. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you. And that does conclude today's conference. We do thank you for your participation. Have a nice Goodbye. Time.